Hey, it's Mindy. I wanted to let you know that my Heart Path Retreat is coming up and you are not going to want to miss it, especially since this year you can attend from the comfort of your own home. This is the 2020 special, right? <laughs> this is actually going to be the 10th Heart Path, but the first time ever that we are doing a live virtual experience. Learn more at heartpathretreats.com. Get registered today and you will get more clarity, more courage, and more conviction by learning how to get out of your head and into your heart. I cannot wait to see you there. Heartpathretreats.com. All right, all right, let's get to the show. Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Hey, hey, I have an AMA episode for you today. That is, ask me anything. I have two very different questions that I will be answering on today's show. So you may or may not be interested in one or both of my answers on them. The first comes from a woman named Amanda. She reached out to me right after I did a webinar last month where I was talking a lot about going through bankruptcy and some of the other financial issues that I have experienced. So here's what she says. Thank you so much for sharing this. Your story was so real, vulnerable, and so relatable. I don't think enough entrepreneurs talk about their struggles with money. We only hear about how they got there. My dilemma is I've known I wanted a business and to work for myself since I was 26. I've invested so much time, money, and education in myself. I recently left the corporate world and have my own loan signing business and building up a coaching business of my own. I'm 34, married, and have a two-year-old son and one on the way. The biggest challenge of my life to date has been my relationship with money and debt. Amanda, I hear ya. (laughs) My husband and I have combined about 200k in debt from student loans and credit cards. It's so overwhelming and I honestly don't know what to do. So my question for you is what was your experience with bankruptcy? Would you say you would advise it or avoid it? I would love to hear more. I'm at the point where I just don't want to deal with the stress of debt. Now I know that stress all too well because I was there for sure for a long time. And a short answer would be to say that I would avoid bankruptcy if and when possible. And let me give you some context for why I say that now from my current vantage point. If I could go back to myself 10 years ago, I would do everything I could to convince myself not to. So here's a couple things to consider as you are making your decision. And just to be clear, This is not prescriptive. You guys need to do what you need to do. So this is just my experience. First of all, student loans are not canceled with bankruptcy. So in my case, I had about $100,000 of credit card debt. That's what I filed bankruptcy on. So that, yes, was cleared. But I also ended up having to pay back $100,000 of student loan that does not go away with bankruptcy. That's my first thing. You're gonna have to pay back a lot of debt anyway. It will suit you better to figure out just how to do that in a more efficient and hopefully faster way, and ideally with less stress, That all those things. The second thing I would offer is that 10 years 
Although at the time it can feel like, oh, I could just get out of this debt. Like that would be so great. It doesn't even matter what happens next because I'll just won't have that same level of stress. Except that you still will because you still have the student loans and 10 years is so long. In the next 10 years, if you are even considering wanting to buy a car, wanting to buy a house, anything that is going to require a loan or even quite honestly a credit card, (laughs) it could be a significant challenge if you have a bankruptcy on your credit report. I am at the end stages of that and just thinking about all the frustrations over the last 10 years, I'm like, 10 years is really a long time. The way that it started out for me, and Amanda, this is a little bit different from your scenario because you guys are already married, you already have kids. I was not married at the time when I was deciding about this, and we didn't have any children. So those are significant differences. But because of my financial situation, when my husband Sean and I got married, we did not combine any of our financial stuff. We ran two totally separate businesses We paid taxes separately, we did not file jointly, and we did not have any crossover in terms of accounts, credit cards, nothing, because I basically didn't want to taint his great credit with my crappy credit, so we just didn't combine anything. And what we were able to do with any car loan or our mortgage for our home, we were able to figure it out where it was just his name on the loan. So that allowed for one, for a bank to say yes, because with me, they very well may have said no. And secondly, even if they did say yes to me, oftentimes if there is a bankruptcy on the report, they will charge you such a high interest rate that it's, it's absurd. So Sean had great credit. We used his name for all of that stuff and mine was not included on it at all. Eventually, as the years went on, I built back up my credit score, we did end up combining everything. We ended up running one business, having you know married joint accounts, joint credit cards, all of that stuff. But it's really important to know kind of what you're getting yourself into. And like I said, 10 years can be a long time to be essentially paying retribution for this decision that you made under stress. And here's another thing. It is not free to file bankruptcy. It actually costs money to file bankruptcy. You often have to pay for a lawyer. And even if you have maybe a friend or somebody that can do that for you pro bono, there are still other fees like court fees and stuff like that, filing fees, whatever. So what I would say from my vantage point today is it would actually be more effective to take that money that you would end up paying a lawyer or whomever anyway And either invest in a great business coach or something that will really help you nail down the current businesses that you have. Because the best thing about being an entrepreneur is that you are in charge of everything that happens. You get to control to an extent. Of course, there are outside market conditions, but so much of it is within our control. And here's the thing. You're going to have to do the mindset work anyway. You're also going to have to pay back the student loans anyway. So if you can get some of that stuff handled without filing bankruptcy, 
you actually will be in a way better position than putting yourself in this kind of hole financially for the next 10 years. So that is my advice is if possible, avoid it and instead really double down on getting your business solid. And if you can't get your business solid, maybe it's about getting a bridge job that is maybe going back to the corporate world. There's no shame in that. Let's be super clear about that. Like you got to do what you got to do. Or maybe it's working part-time somewhere or a temporary gig or whatever it may be until you can get your business to the point where it is sustainable for your lifestyle. And beyond that, you're able to really significantly contribute to pay off all of that debt. I guarantee that will feel a whole lot better because there is so much shame in bankruptcy. There is, it's just a really, really awful experience to go through. And I can speak about it now fairly openly and even not emotionally, but that wasn't always the case. I mean, I didn't even talk about it for years years. I didn't even talk about it. I didn't want anybody to know. And then when I did start talking about it, I would be an absolute emotional mess. I would be sobbing. I've been at my events and talked about this and just been in tears and so broken about it. I've had to do a lot of work and a lot of healing in that department to get that stuff sorted out. So that is my take on it. Should you file bankruptcy or not? Again, if you can possibly not I would go that route and just try to figure out your business. The other thing, too, is to think about how you might really be able to focus. If you have a loan signing business and you're also trying to build up a coaching business at the same time, that sounds to me like you could just be really spread too thin. Why not focus on one of those businesses, whichever one is more likely to be lucrative faster get that going. And then if you want to do other stuff, great. But trying to do all different things all at the same time, it really just makes a mess of things. <laughs> it's it's true even if we try to multitask doing any few given projects, there are studies that prove we just aren't able to do it. Like it just doesn't happen. Even the most attentive among us are not able to multitask very well. So I would focus on one business get some help figuring it out. Maybe it's about how to scale that business, how to increase your prices, how to get more leads so you can generate more sales, whatever it may be. I mean, this is all the stuff that I've had to learn in the last 10 years. So that is my advice to you, Amanda. I hope that that is helpful, even just to hear a different perspective. The second question for today's show comes from Mel. And she says, I'd love your insights on ayahuasca and other psychedelics and what you think of them for mindset. She goes on to say, my burning question is, is deep change possible using this as a tool? And secondly, why can't we make that shift consciously? Because trust me, I've done everything known to man (laughs) to change, and damage remains. Why is it we resist change and letting go so much when clearly we must have the answers within or it wouldn't be possible to have that awakening through plant medicine. Also would love your thoughts and insights on all of it, and anything to do with it is going to be super interesting. Okay, so those of you that have been listening to this show, you know that I am a huge proponent of this and have talked about it in past episodes. 
when Sean and I interviewed Josh Bazzoni, we talked about MDMA therapy. And then I spoke with Tucker Max about that as well. So if you're more interested in this, you can go back and listen to those episodes to check out what those guys had to say. But here is my take on it. And let me just say this, because I think that you have to say this whenever you talk about things like this. First off, this stuff is illegal in the United States, so I do want you to know that. And I am never, never, ever advocating for something like this in any kind of a party or rave or irresponsible setting. The only way that I'm talking about this is with intention in a safe and sacred setup. I actually call this whole experience a sacred journey. And that's the only way that I have done these types of things always, ever. I want to be clear about those things first and foremost. So the first part of Mel's question is, is deep change possible using this as a tool? And I would say that yes, it is, and it is only a tool. It is not going to solve all of the problems for you immediately. It can be very enlightening, and I don't mean that like becoming enlightened like the Buddha or anything like that. I just mean it can, you can awaken to new things in your life and new perspectives when you are a little bit out of your current mindset. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a minute. So yes, but it's not like the end all be all magic bullet that some people may be seeking because honestly, that doesn't exist. <laughs> I've tried a lot of this stuff and the way that I think about it and lots of people use this analogy is it's like an onion, right? Like we are like onions. There is layer after layer after layer after layer of stuff that we need to work through. And I think that is how I would answer your question, Mel, about why can't we you know, make this shift consciously, like all this stuff, there's still this damage, I've done all these things. Well, with each of those things, my assumption is that you are peeling back one of the layers. But guess what? There are still so many layers within, and I don't think that that ends until we transition out of this physical experience. So like Sean, he was like, peace, I'm done. <laughs> he, he got through all the layers that he came here to get through, and he's out. So those of us that are still here, it doesn't end. Like, but we, it can get easier. It can get less complicated. And I think that that is the distinction of pulling back the various layers so to the point about why can't we make this these shifts consciously? Well, when we are in our regular conscious awareness, there is a lot of ego that can show up to protect us, to defend us. That's the whole point of the ego, right? To keep us safe, to keep us alive. The problem is, is <laughs> back in the day, it used to be literally keeping us alive. Like, hey, don't go out there because you're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed saber tiger in today's society, it protects and defends about things that aren't even actually going to kill us. So we just are on the defense, always feeling protected by this ego. And a lot of times, we can't even see beyond our own ego. They call that your blind spot, like the things that you can't see yourself. 
Now, the beauty with some of these different substances is that the ego can drop. And I'm thinking specifically in this case about MDMA. I have had powerful experiences where I have been so certain about things in my life up until taking that. And then it was as if I was like, oh, I get it now. I get it why so-and-so would act like that. I understand where that's coming from. I understand why I'm doing this crazy thing. It just drops the ego to a level where you can process stuff and information without getting defensive, without feeling that need to like rise up and fight about it. So it can be really, really helpful, especially in relationships. Sean and I used it quite often, not as much as he would have liked. (laughs) He was a huge fan of MDMA and probably honestly would have done it like every weekend (laughs) if if that uh, would have been healthy and if I would have allowed it. But I, I'm more, I was in the like, let's do it once or twice a year. Like I don't need it that often, but every single time it was always a profound experience. I will say that. So I'll tell you a little bit about some of my different experiences. MDMA, of course, is very gentle. There are organizations now that are experimenting with MDMA therapy. I I love that this is happening, and I love that finally we have gotten to the point. I mean, all of this crap went down when they started the war on drugs in the 80s. But the problem with the war on drugs is that they lumped in with really bad stuff like heroin, all these things that are actually helpful and not addictive. They just called them all drugs and said, this is all bad. Well, that isn't the case at all. So I'm not advocating for things like heroin or anything like that. Totally, totally different experience. That's why people might call what I'm talking about plant medicine, or I would say sacred journeys versus like, quote, drugs. So with MDMA, it is amazing because what it does is it releases all of the serotonin in your brain like it's this like big dump of serotonin and if you're familiar with what that is or what that feels like it just feels like everything is right with the world mdma is known as a a bonding experience again because that ego drops so it's like you can actually be real with your partner or just even friends or whomever you're with but it is amazing how powerful that can be. I know Sean and I used it specifically sometimes when we were, or we felt like we were at an impasse, kind of under quote normal conditions. And we're like, all right, we just need to drop in or we need a little help. And here's something interesting. Everybody that I have heard say, or or not even say, but make a big fuss about, well, you shouldn't need any other substance to do that. My answer to them is, you're right, and if they're making such a big fuss about it, it's likely that they've never tried it. (laughs) Because I myself have said, even to Sean, I would say, Sean, like we don't need that to get the experience that you are wanting. We can drop in. We've had the experiences with help with added substances and we know what that feels like so we actually can create that and we were able to do that so many times without even taking anything once you get it in your system and have done it a couple times you can actually recreate those types of experiences without it but here's the thing 
We would have never known how to do that or even the possibility of our egos dropping as they did if we hadn't tried it in the first place. So I do just want to put that into the mix of like, I am a huge advocate for this stuff and I am also very aware that it isn't always necessary. Now, speaking specifically about ayahuasca, which is what Mel's question was about, normally with ayahuasca, it is presented uh, maybe by a shaman. There, I know a lot of people that go down to Peru or other places in South or Central America to do ceremonies like this. And the thing with ayahuasca is that it is known to be a purging experience. So a lot of people who take ayahuasca end up vomiting or having diarrhea or both, (laughs) which to me that sounds terrible. I had had ayahuasca on my radar for a long time. And then I ran into this girl that I actually had met before at an event and then saw her again at this other speaking thing. And she was saying, you know, I, I ended up taking ayahuasca. And I was like, oh, you know, can you share with me your experience? Because I was super interested. She said, yeah, the woman that I went to, you don't get sick, nothing happens. I'm like, well, talk to me about that because <laughs> I am really interested if you can have that experience without the physical purging that often happens. And some people might say, but Mindy, that's the point of it. It's this symbolic thing. I'm like, listen, I have purged so much in my life. Those of you that have listened to this show for a while may know I had debilitating, nauseating migraines for so many years of my life. I'm like, I don't need more of that. (laughs) I can, you know, let me figure out this ayahuasca thing without that. So I did end up contacting this woman. Here's a little bit about how my experience was. The, The thing in ayahuasca is it's kind of about, and this is part of that purging thing, but it's about like a death of your former self and a rebirth of your new self. So I even went to her with the intention of, hey, I have constant migraines and they are so debilitating. Like, what can I do about them? And also more importantly, why? Like, what what is going on either physically, emotionally, spiritually? What is happening that I keep having all these terrible migraines? So that was the intention going in. She had me laying down on like almost like a futon type sofa and she was there with me in the room and I took the ayahuasca and what was interesting in her case was they were actually capsules and I don't know if that's what then causes the non-purging or what but way easier as far as I'm concerned. You didn't have to drink any nasty stuff or whatever. And I will say this before all of you say, well, Mindy, can you give me her name and phone number? (laughs) She is not currently practicing. I checked in with her at the beginning of coronavirus and just to say, hey, how are you? You know, are you still working? And she said, no, I'm not. So there is that. But my experience was this. Although I thought I was going in for work on this migraine stuff, What showed up for me was a lot of women that have been in my life. And what I mean by that, like my grandmother, and I don't mean like it was like a ghost coming to me or anything like that. It wasn't a visual experience like I was hallucinating. What it was was more I was thinking about these people and and like imagining them, like seeing them in my mind's eye, not like actually out in the room. So my grandmother, who had already passed away at that time, I felt like she was very present And then one of my best friends from college, Sarah, who also had already passed away, 
also like it was all these women and I'm like this is so it just felt very cozy and nurturing to me it was almost like being wrapped up in just feminine energy and it was really beautiful and lovely the thing that was crazy about it was it went on and on and on so much so that it was getting super late into the evening like late at night and I even said to the woman who was my guide I said you know you can go to bed like I felt bad that she was staying up with me and she said Mindy she used a word that was very interesting to me she said Mindy you are so porous and and because of that this impacts you much more deeply than many other people and she's been guiding this stuff for decades so she had been through many of these experiences and she was like you were just really really porous so eventually I was able to kind of sit up now this was hours and hours I mean a long experience and at the end I was I just remember sitting on that couch and I kind of had my head in my hands and I looked up at her and I was like I feel like I just ran a marathon and she kind of smiled at me and she was like, well, you did in a way. <laughs> she said, you have just healed your lineage of women, the wounding, the parts that were never healed in their lifetimes. And I'm like, oh gosh, like that's a heavy weight. But that, that's what she said. And, you know, my take on it was like, is that true? I don't know. I don't know that it matters, quite honestly. It felt powerful, and I think that that is what we can go on in experiences like this because there is no way to you know, prove what is transpiring. And to me, that's kind of the fun of it. There is a great mystery that is completely ineffable, and I'm always fascinated by that. So ayahuasca was a great experience of that. The one piece that I will share, too, is that... In that aspect of feeling like there is a death and then a rebirth, the way that I visualized that, and it was funny because I was almost in like this burrito of blankets. I was all wrapped up and cozy in these blankets and I had the eye mask on and like she was playing just really lovely music for my experience. (laughs) And I had this visual of being scooped up almost like in gigantic loving hands scooped up in my burrito blanket and gently gently rocked back and forth almost as if I was a baby and then being carried like up and rocked and up and rocked and just very very gently like off into the distance and it occurred to me oh Like that is a spiritual death. Now, again, I don't know what that means. (laughs) It sounds crazy to even say it on a podcast, but that was my experience. To wrap up the conversation just on our regular resistance, we don't like change. You know, change is scary to the brain. The piece of our brain that sounds the alert when things change is called the amygdala. Its whole job is to keep us safe. And so what happens when we take some of these sacred substances is that that, those alarms can chill. They can just relax. And then we can see things sometimes for how they are, not for how we are perceiving them. Or we can understand why people are as they are. And that can be very helpful in relationships, especially 
also including your relationship to yourself. Sometimes it's helpful to understand like, oh, this is why I'm doing this thing. You know what? I probably don't need to keep doing that thing. I probably don't need to keep doing that self-sabotage thing because now I get it. I see beyond the blind spot or see into the blind spot to be able to really look at what I'm doing and maybe why that is happening. I'll share something with you as a suggestion based on what Sean and I used to do. We always would go into an experience like that with very strong intention and we would actually have written out what we wanted to work on or questions that we wanted to ask each other or questions that we want to ask ourselves It is a really, really cool experience, especially when you can share some of these things with somebody that is that close to you. It's often a very bonding process, so it can be pretty cool. So again, I hope that helps, answers some of your questions, something like that. I think you just have to experience it to really get it, but I would encourage you to do that. So I look forward to hearing about your experience, Mel. That would be awesome. So for the rest of you, if you have any questions, obviously a wide variety of topics (laughs) covered today, you can truly ask me anything. Lucra.com slash ask is where to do that. You can just go there and drop your question in. Let me know your name and if you're cool with me saying your name on the show or not. It's all good either way. That's Lucra.com slash ask. And I'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I will pick a couple every month to talk about on the show. Next week, I have a great, great interview coming up, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes. And please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources, or to become a member of the Lucrative Society, where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being. <laughs>